The following program is a paid advertisement. The views reflected on this show are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000. Doctor? 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 You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. My name is Steve Cashel, radio host of the Chicago Bulls. In a few minutes, I'll be joined by my co-host, Dr. Brian Cole, head team physician for the Chicago Bulls, sports medicine specialist, orthopedic surgeon for Midwest Orthopedics at Rush and Rush University Medical Center. Today on the show, we're going to talk about golfers returning from injury, specifically surgery. John Esposito will join us. John is the head of instruction for Bose Creek Country Club out in Elgin. Does an outstanding job, has been a teaching pro for nearly 30 years and Dr. Cole will talk about golfers that come through his office and also how John gets them on the tee and ready to play golf again. Then we'll talk about uh, how to build a training staff in the NBA. The Chicago Bulls going through a couple of changes here in the offseason and we'll get Dr. Cole's perspective on uh, why and how they uh, build a training staff and also bringing back Chip Schaefer who was back with Phil Jackson during the glory years as the Bulls head athletic trainer. So we'll hear from Dr. Cole on how to build the training staff. And then choosing the rock doctor, Dr. Nick Verma from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush will join us. Uh, How do you value uh, patient outcomes? How do you measure them? How do you know how well patients are doing? We'll get the doctor's perspective along with Dr. Cole. This is Sports Medicine Weekly. Follow our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com. Back to get it going right after this on ESPN Radio. Feeling tired, sluggish, and overweight? If you're looking to lose weight and gain energy, join us in Karen Mulkin's 14-Day Transformation Cleanse. You're going to absolutely love this Whole Foods cleanse. You'll feel great, lose weight, build lean muscle, improve sleep, boost metabolism, and enhance athletic performance. This VIP done-for-you cleanse comes with a 14-day transformation wellness bag containing MC. MCT Lean Vegan Protein Blend, Fat-Burning MCT Lean MCT Oil, Snacks, Superfoods, Recipes, Guidelines, Videos, and Other Surprises. You will absolutely love this program. Sign up at 14daytransformation.com. That's the numbers 14daytransformation.com or visit Karen's website at karenmulkin.com. That's K-A-R-E-N-M-A-L-K-I-N.com. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. Our producer, George Cozzarello, coordinating producer, Teresa Ann Seeger. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole at Sports Medicine Weekly. We're excited to announce our new Sports Medicine Weekly custom podcast app on iTunes. It's free, so go to the App Store, search for Sports Medicine Weekly. Dr. Cole, uh, I wanted to ask you, how do you know... How well your patients are doing? It's a, it's a, you know, that's a simple question uh, with a very complicated answer. Let's leave it at that. So, uh, and it shouldn't be just anecdotal. I shouldn't be able to say, well, the last five I did did great. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I will tell you that's one of the great advantages of going to sort of an academic institution. Not only you know do we have the responsibility to teach our future leaders in, in orthopedics and healthcare, we take measuring how our patients do very, very seriously. So it's, you know, when you, you know, you know that we do a lot of research and we publish and so forth, probably better than half of the things we do actually seek to uh, ferret out how well our patients are doing after a treatment. It could be non-surgical or it could be surgical. So uh, the answer is we study it. And, uh, and, and in fact, the government now is demanding that we 
presented in some format to you know to sort of coexist in all the different healthcare systems. At what extent? Well, you know, if you what what is happening now is, for example, Medicare has done it in some fashion, but anyone who has you know who takes government health care, which is really Medicare or Medicaid, which most of us take, right. um, has to be part of a program where we actually track outcomes at some basic level. We've, for years, always gone well above that. And frankly, Medicare doesn't even know what it wants as of yet, but they're getting it close. But we, you know, f- since since I've been in practice and my entire group has always been committed to uh, collecting outcomes because, frankly, you know, you may be referred to a physician, for example, say, go see, you know, Dr. Smith. Uh, but the reality is if you start asking the hard questions, it's the outcomes that matter. And they're not all equal depending on what you do, where you go, and, and who treats you. Let's bring on one of your partners, Dr. Nick Verma from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Choosing the right doctor, what's the value in health care? And Dr. Cole, Dr. Verma, I understand, was just uh, promoted recently? He was recently promoted to the head of our sports medicine uh, uh, initiative, so our fellowship, as well as the section of sports medicine. So it's a great honor and uh, well-deserved. And, and in part, uh, you know, related to uh, Nick's efforts in uh, helping us track our outcomes in our patients, which is no easy task. And uh, I'll tell you, there's no one that at this point is, is paying for it. This is something we do out of the passion for uh, uh, really d- doing the best we can for our patients. Fantastic. Dr. Verma, thanks for joining us here on Sports Medicine Weekly. How do you measure uh, patient outcomes yeah, you know, I think it's a it's a fairly simple question, as Brian said, but one with a very difficult answer. So, you know, if we take a step back, even the move that we're seeing in healthcare today is to provide value, and value is very simply taking outcomes or quality over cost. You know, the cost side is fairly easy to determine. We can look at how much a physician gets paid, how much the hospital gets paid, how much the MRI costs, the implants for their surgery costs. There are some more difficult. Uh, factors in estimating costs, such as if one procedure gets allows you to get back to work earlier, you know, that's a cost savings to society. And then if we, for example, prevent arthritis that prevents the need for future treatment, that's a, that's a long-term cost for society. So there is a little complexity there, but in the short term, it's much easier to measure. Yes, yeah, so sorry to interrupt, Nick. I just want to say, like, you know, people ask what value is, okay? It's interesting. If you ask the insurance company, what do you think they're going to say? They're going to look at the episode of care that they're responsible for, and that's it. Yeah, what's the it dollar cost? Amount. Yeah, what's yeah, the cost? Yeah, absolutely. But when you re- and the reality is, it's not just what does it cost, but it's what is the outcome, you know, related to the cost. You know, how much value do I get from doing this procedure? And the, the unfortunate how thing is, how much more are they going to need later? What do they need later? How yeah. quick are they going to be on their dime? I mean, sure. it ends up being a derivative of cost, but value is a really complex issue. Sorry to interrupt, Mitt, Nick. I just want to no, make sure No, but I think it's, it's a great point. I mean, and a good example would be if, you know, if we have a new biologic therapy that allows you to heal a tendon in half the time but costs three times as much. If you ask the average patient, you know, I'm going to shave your recovery time for six months to three months, that's a significant value to them even though it's not measurable in the direct cost. But to the insurance company, they may not look at it the same way. So so a lot of these are yet to be determined. Nick, you know, I mentioned that this is really uh, uh, something that's more indigenous or present in, like, academic centers. Just give our listeners an idea of what it really takes to collect outcomes, because I don't think anyone can really appreciate this. Most people come in, they want to get their care, uh, they want to get it right, and they want to get back uh, and be active as quickly as possible. But, yeah. you know, so just, just give us an idea of what is required to actually conduct these outcomes initiatives. Sure. And I think that, you know, first of all, you have to define what outcomes are, and they can be defined in, in a lot of different ways. So we can look at outcomes in the short term, and this is the way that insurance and Medicare is looking at them very simplistically is what's the complication rate, what's the likelihood of having an infection, what's the need for readmission. And those are important because they're all tangible things that contribute to the cost of health care, and if we can reduce them, 
we can obviously build, uh, bring down costs. So that's a very simplistic view of short-term outcomes following surgery. Then we can look at objective outcomes. So, for example, you know, Brian and I do knee surgery and shoulder surgery. So we can look at things like how much does your knee move, what's the range of motion, what's the stability after a ligament reconstruction, how much strength do you get back after a rotator cuff repair. And those are things that require a patient to come into the office and then some member of the healthcare team to actually perform a measurement test to get that kind of objective data. What we're really moving towards now is something called patient-reported outcomes, which means that even if your knee goes from 0 to 130 and another person's knee goes from 0 to 140, if you both have the same level of satisfaction with the procedure or are able to return to the same daily activities, does the objective side really matter? And so what we're moving towards is something called patient-reported outcomes, which simply means that you go to your doctor and either at your visit or at home when you get home you get an email and it asks you for things like how far can you walk, uh, how much pain do you have, are you able to return to sports. And using that, we calculate a score, and because every physician is asking the same questions, we can then compare score to score. Steve, now think about it. Now, if you were a patient, what value would that have? Let's just say uh, you have two different friends, and let's just say you have a shoulder problem, right? And you're golfing one guy, look, my shoulder's killing me, and he says, oh, I have this doctor, I, why don't you go see this guy, right? Right. And then the next day you're... You know, you're in the insurance business, right? And you're meeting with someone. who's like, hey, what's going on with your shoulder? I see you're not moving your arm. And he says, I got this doctor. How would you choose? Yeah. What would you do? Yeah, and I think it becomes very difficult. And, and you know, it, it sounds very simplistic when I present it that way to say, okay, we're all going to ask the same questions. But the problems that we're seeing are a couple. Number one is I may be asking question set A and another doctor is asking question set B. So there's more than one way to measure outcome after shoulder surgery or knee surgery. And we haven't all gotten on the same page in terms of agreeing okay, everyone's going to use this specific data set. The second problem is that there may be different data sets for different patients. So, for example, if you're an older patient who has a shoulder replacement, asking you things like, can you get your coffee cup out of the cupboard? Are you able to um, vacuum your floors? Uh, can you work on a computer? Can you sleep at night? Those are, are, are very important. But if we take the same baseball player who has a shoulder surgery, for them to do all those types of things doesn't translate to a good outcome. What translates to a good outcome for them is they can get back and play sports so they can throw off a mound or they can go back and, and hit a baseball, um, you know, into the stands, into the outfield. Hey, Nick, let so, me ask you a question. So do outcomes you, are different for different people. Look, you know, are, maybe you can just talk a little bit about the challenge we have with patients actually participating. You know, I know when I bring my car in, I'm sure all you guys experience this, you bring your car in and 20 minutes later your phone rings or you get an email saying, tell us about your experience at, you yeah. know, the, the dealership, sure. right? Um, I don't know, Steve, do you get those and you, would you delete them or do you fill them out? Um, if there's something to win. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good point because we've Maybe actually discussed I'll... that. Okay. Yeah, So seriously. they gave you a Starbucks card for five bucks, you might fill it out, right? I might. Okay, yeah. well, that's kind of what we're Or if we're it's at. a doctor, is it someone I really respect and maybe I never thought about them measuring the results, you know? Right. Now it becomes more important to me. But if it's just, you know... You know that they've paid somebody because they want. No, my, no, they had the, those you know. dealerships are. You know, it's similar. Those dealerships are all graded and reimbursed in part. They get bonuses based upon yep. you know their 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 service. So Nick, just you know, share with us you know the challenges we have actually getting patients to participate with us. And look, it's human nature, right? There has to be some value in it for you for you to spend the time and effort to to complete a survey. So what we find is that when when patients are still under our care, which is generally an episode of somewhere between three months on the short end. 12 months on the long end, they're very um, accepting of filling out surveys when, when they're in our office and they're coming back for a follow-up visit. However, what we struggle with is the fact that once they're out of our care and they're at home and they get that email that says, please fill this out, and they know it's going to take them 15 or 20 or 25 minutes, and they're now 
better. They're doing fine. They, they don't have any perceived problems with their extremity that was um, either treated surgically or non-surgically. It's hard for them to see value in doing that. And, and certainly on the other side, as you guys just discussed, we all see that problem. Dr. Nick Verma, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Dr. Nick, thanks so much for uh, the conversation today. I appreciate it, guys. Back with more Sports Medicine Weekly after this. On ESPN Radio. I'd been having knee pain for quite some time and did what probably a lot of people do. I just ignored it and hoped it would go away. After a month, I couldn't take the pain anymore. I went to my family orthopedic. He told me that I needed physical therapy. When I received my prescription for therapy, the first thing I did was search PT companies online. I came across ATI Physical Therapy. It's close to home, has some great reviews, and when I called, they verified my insurance and scheduled me right away. No wait, everything was so easy, and the staff was great. They kept my doctor informed of my progress along the way. Honestly, I look forward to going to my appointments. ATI made me feel like my recovery was their most important priority. I'd recommend them to anyone needing physical therapy. The experience was something I'll never forget. To learn more about what it's like to be a patient at ATI Physical Therapy, visit ATIPT.com and start your journey to get back to your best today. ATIPT.com. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush is nationally recognized as a leader in comprehensive orthopedic services. As team physicians for the Chicago Bulls, Chicago White Sox, and Chicago Fire Soccer Club, their physicians understand the importance of quality care for high-performance athletes and weekend warriors. Regardless of the level of the athlete, recreational, high school, college, or even professionals, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush strives to provide the highest quality, state-of-the-art health care services. To better serve their patients, they provide expert care across five Chicagoland locations with a new location in Munster, Indiana. Their cutting-edge research, diagnosis, methods, and treatments make them the highest-ranked program in the state of Illinois by U.S. News and World Report rankings. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit them at RushOrtho.com or call 877-MD-BONES. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, when only the best will do. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly on ESPN 1000. Becker on Sports Medicine Weekly, Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole. And Dr. Cole, of course, the head team physician with the Chicago Bulls. Dr. Cole, I wanted to ask you, I know the uh, NBA draft um, taking part there. I know the NBA draft taking place the end of June, but what went into it? I want to know from a team aspect, uh, you being one of the, uh, the NBA doctors and specifically for our Chicago Bulls, well, what don't the fans know? And I don't want to get at specific names, you know, sure. but uh, there's a lot of information being uh, <laughs> discussed and yeah. processed. And how do you guys do it all? You know, I mean, it's 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 a, it's a what I call a multidisciplinary approach. In other words, there's all these different individuals with specific skill sets. And I guess it's probably going on pretty much all year. Like we have a whole there's a whole team of scouts that are out there that are cognizant of what's going on at the college level and they probably have a sense early on who's going to be coming out and then only 60 or so will actually show up for the combine which is those who are invited a certain percentage of those don't come for various reasons but are very high ranking draft candidates but there's probably a lot of work that preempts the combine which happens in may which is really a a week-long event where there's there's assessments, there's play, there's sort of they can characterize each of these individual athletes. It's not just medical. That's one part of it. Um, and then from that point forward, it's an incredible process. There's so much data. I mean, the medical part is just one aspect. I go on Sunday. Actually, I go on Saturday. We usually give a couple lectures maybe to the Athletic Trainers Association and so forth, and we have our meetings. I'm involved with the uh, – I'm ahead of the uh, NBA Research Committee, so we do – uh, for the team physician, so we do all the research objectives and so forth. So there's all these different committee meetings. 
uh, on Saturday, but Sunday is medical, and that's about five hours of seeing every single player, both orthopedic and medical. Um, and, and does then, each doctor see a number of players yes, for that specific yeah. team? Um, we see, so I will see every single person who comes through there, and we do it representing like, the NBA or just the Bulls. <clears throat> the Bulls. So okay. at that point, I'm a representative of the Bulls, and um, they at, by that time they have already done these mock drafts, and they kind of know who they might or could be interested in. Obviously, the list is longer than might otherwise be. Sure. So there's certain guys we focus on. This is pretty much how every team does it. There are certain guys that we'll focus on up front. The list is big, you know, much bigger than it probably needs to be, but you want to make sure you it's a funnel. You want to catch everyone up front. So those are the ones I spend specific time uh, on. Although I see every player, there might be another physician in my presence who examines and presents them. And then, you know, there's this sort of risk stratification that we all go through. Uh, so, you know, this has nothing to do with the trades. This is just new guys coming out more than one year of college trying to get a sense of on the medical side they've already got the other value proposition for absence of the medical you know what i mean mm-hmm. like they've already done they know the statistics they know all the things that they that characterize them as an athlete but the stuff that we do is purely medical orthopedic giving a risk risk stratification to try to do our best to predict and that's it's a fascinating process like to, you know that to me is one of the biggest intellectual challenges and some of it's an art to be honest because you're trying to get a sense of which things could penetrate and be a problem in the future which is really difficult to do, as you can imagine. And there's so much background noise. Like if we MRI'd all these guys, we've talked about this before, we MRI'd all their knees, 40 to 50% of them have profound abnormalities on MRI but have no idea they have these things. Wow. Great stuff, Dr. Cole. Appreciate it. Brian Cole, the head team physician for the Chicago Bulls. I'm Steve Cashel, back with more of Sports Medicine Weekly on ESPN Radio. Returning patients who suffer from cartilage defects to an active lifestyle is the goal. Prochondrix, the latest solution from Allosource, is an innovative, cost-effective, fresh cartilage allograft designed to restore cartilage and restore life. To learn more about Prochondrix or allografts, visit prochondrix.org. That's P-R-O-C-H-O-N-D-R-I-X.org. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly on ESPN 1000. Back on Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning. Sports Medicine Weekly produced by George Katsarellis, our coordinating producer, Teresa Ann Seeger. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole. Dr. Cole, talk a little golf, one of my favorite sports. And um, I want to know how many golfers do you see come in or patients that are golfers that you've done surgery on maybe through a golf injury? Yeah, so if you look at sort of the the demographic, you know, we see, you know, I see golfers because I do shoulder, elbow, knee. These are generally active individuals, so that stuff happens in the background. But if you say, well, how many injuries do you see related to golf? You know what the most common thing is? They say, I have this pain or other pain when I play golf. Help me so I can play golf. Right. It's not necessarily, you know, about the only time I, I see two things. I see people who have tragic injuries, like they roll a golf cart. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but I've had a couple of people that have actually rolled a golf cart. Those are high-level trauma. That is not common. You mean it, and, and crash in yeah, the golf cart? Yeah, I've had a couple of guys that fractured okay. their shoulders and, you know, you know, bad injuries, obviously. Sure. That's rare. So that's golf-specific, right? Okay. And the other thing is when someone, you know, as I say, and forgive me because I'm not a big golfer, as you know, but they hit it fat. So they come down. Is that what you guys call it? You come down and you just take a big chunk of sod with it? Absolutely. Okay? Yep. So when that happens... Um, I've had many people who get uh, medial or lateral inside or outside epicondylitis, tennis elbow or golfer's elbow. So pain 
the, we have this condition called golfer's elbow. It's where they get inflammation on the inner side of the elbow. And is most, that the same as tennis elbow? Just the opposite side. It, okay. Ironically, there's more tennis elbow in golf than there is golfer's elbow in golf. I mean, <laughs> go figure. But, right. you know, so I see quite a bit. And uh, that's almost always non-surgical, thankfully. But so it's, you know, I can't say it's necessarily causing it unless they have that trauma where they're coming down hard and they hit something. I mean, have you ever done that? I, I, I know you're very good, but... Have you ever had a situation where you like either play a number of holes, you're like sore as heck afterwards, or you come down and hit it fat and 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 you injure yourself? Almost like a funny bone, you know, yeah. maybe a little twinge right. goes through a stinger like. Last, but no, it doesn't, last. doesn't usually last. Yeah. No, no. So, but you know, truth be told, it's usually that they present with the symptoms when they're trying to play golf and they can't play, so or they're having trouble playing. So you say, "Hey, make me better. I want to play golf." That's about as to me. That's about as serious as saying I can't sleep at night. Make me sleep. To be right, honest. right. Because there's a lot. Of, I take care of a lot of people that that's their pastime, and that's the only thing they do that gives them pleasure. And it's it's a big deal when they can't play. Well, it's about the only sport I can play now. I mean, I play with my sons. You know, we play throw the ball around. You know, they play baseball, basketball, sure. football, hockey. I'll throw the ball around in each of those sports, or you know, play, try to play goalie and whatever. But uh, when they play hockey, but. Uh, golf is the only one I only sport I play now that I can really play at my age and still enjoy and still think yeah. I'm getting better. Yeah. So oh, it great. is fun. It is fun. But let's bring out our next guest. He is a uh, director of instruction at Bowes Creek Country Club out in Elgin, Illinois. Terrific uh, gentleman who's been uh, a PGA professional now for more than 25 years. Also director of instruction, as I said, Bowes Creek, ni- nominated nine times for Illinois PGA Teacher of the Year. John Esposito. John, thanks for uh, for joining us on Sports Medicine Weekly. Well, guys, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. So I'm going to take from what Dr. Cole was talking about and patients he sees. So after kind of Dr. Cole's done with them, and maybe they go to physical therapy someplace, and then they come back and see you, John, and they say, okay, get me back on the golf course. Um, you know, in your experience, what have you noticed while working with your clients uh, you know, is the difference in their swings post-surgery and then, you know, pre-surgery? Well, that, that's a great question. Um, po- post-surgery, it's obviously, uh, you know, getting back into the game. There's uh, a little bit of uh, muscle uh, muscle atrophy, and, and there's some uh, very serious um, apprehension. You know, can I do this? Am I going to strain this? Is this going to get pulled again? And then after... You know, they build up the muscles uh, after they, uh, through proper practice, they, they can start to go at it full throttle again and uh, bring back the, the joy to their game when they start to see their ball uh, start flying out there like it should. And then pre-surgery, uh, it's very, very simple. It's, uh, you, you can see that there's wincing when they're coming into the impact or when they're reaching a position at the top of the backswing uh, because of the strain in the back or, or as Doc said, you know, that that tennis slash golfer's elbow, when they come into impact, you know, the fear of uh, the elbow getting jarred again, uh, the tendency is the body to come up to prevent that. And and they're really uh, ingraining some negative habits that, uh, that are sometimes so deeply ingrained. It takes a while to really pull them back out of the, uh, out of the, uh, out of the depths of, of despair there, because they're, you know, when you're playing with injury, it's awful hard for two things. One, to have fun, and two, to really perform at your peak level. Let me ask you a question. What's the age demographic of the people that you teach? Break them, you know, the buckets. Uh, I have them all from basically seventh grade all the way to uh, 85 years old. A lot of the people that you work with uh, sort of retired and, you know, sort of in their 60s or beyond? Um, I do have that 
demographic. Uh, but I also would have to tell you, Doc, that I have had a lot of guys in their uh, 40s and 50s. That, uh, as a matter of fact, I just had a gentleman that came uh, uh, back to me after a double hip replacement. Uh, and uh, he's only uh, you know fifty three years old. Yeah, that I, you know that relatively rare, but sure, certainly we see it. I'm only asking because I'm I'm interested to know that because <clears throat> that's the time the guys actually have the time to play golf often when they're retired and you know. But that's also the same demographic, unfortunately, that has been living with arthritis that come to the point where they actually need treatment. So 54 would be awful young, but we see it. I'm curious, what you know when it, they'll come to me and say, "Look, am I released to, to go play?" And my answer is yes, it's safe. I don't see how you'll cause injury. The issue is how well you'll tolerate it. I never get to see the other side of it to see when they actually go back. What the you know, I can tell you what happens in basketball and baseball and throwers and things like that because mm-hmm. I watch them closely. But in your world, how, when they come back and say, "Okay, my doctor just released me last week. Had my knee replacement, you know, three months ago." How is how is that progression go? Like, what do you do with them to get to integrate them back into golf? Oh, that's that's a great question. Uh, I start I start small. I start getting them uh, back around the greens, getting some feel back into their hands, and then from the green we from the green we uh, work ourselves back to the tee box, and it's just a, a great progression where you start working on uh, your pitching from thirty to kind of ninety yards, and then we start working on you know little three quarter wedges, and then before you know it, you're into the seven iron range, into the five iron range, and and then you start moving on to the uh, to the hybrids, uh, so they're making a little bit more uh, of a sweeping motion, fairway woods, and then ultimately you're getting them back to the driver or, or the three wood off the tee, where they can start really, you know, getting their body rotating properly, firing their hips through the hitting area, and and doing all the things that generate maximum amount of speed. And uh, it's just a you know once you once they start seeing that there's no pain at the impact or there's no pain in the in the in the uh, the top of the backswing, all of a sudden you, you know you see a little twinkle in their eye in their eye, and they say, "Hey, you know, I can do this." And uh, and as they, you know, with a little uh, uh, confidence building from uh, my part, and uh, you know, seeing the uh, the golf ball do what it's supposed to do, it's uh, it brings a, a beautiful smile to their face and, and a lot of joy back to their uh, lives because, as you say, this is a retirement of a you know they're passionate about what they want to do and they have some longevity to play the game. Uh, well into their uh, into the twilight of their life, so it's a, it's a win win all the way around. John, thanks so much. Continued success. Beautiful place out there at uh, Bowes Creek in the Highlands uh, in the city of Elgin. Appreciate all your help, and uh, I hope to see you soon and tee it up with you. That's John Esposito, director of instruction, Bowes Creek Country Club in Elgin, Illinois. Back with more of Sports Medicine Weekly after these messages on ESPN Radio. The Chicago Bulls, White Sox, and DePaul Blue Demons rely on Midwest Orthopedics at Rush for advanced orthopedic treatment. So can you. We are the team physicians for these Chicago teams, and we're ready to be on your healthcare team, too. Get expert care from these regional leaders at four Chicagoland locations. Learn more at RushOrtho.com. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, your world-class team physicians. We're excited to announce our new Sports Medicine Weekly custom podcast app on iTunes. It's all free. Just go to the App Store, search for Sports Medicine Weekly. Our app gives listeners easy access to their favorite Sports Medicine Weekly shows without getting lost in confusing screens and pop-up ads. The team at Sports Medicine Weekly is dedicated to delivering content to our listeners on the latest in fitness, nutrition, injury prevention, and treatment. Optimize your performance with the Sports Medicine Weekly app. As always, we thank our loyal listening and social media followers. 
The best athletes in the world and their medical teams have been trusting Donjoy products for over 30 years. With a goal to protect and return confidence in sport post-injury, Donjoy is the trusted leader to get and keep athletes in action. Whether it's football, basketball, soccer, volleyball, or even the official medical supplier to the U.S. ski team, always trust the global leader in sports medicine. Trust Donjoy, a product of djoglobal.com. At Athletico Physical Therapy, we know there is freedom from pain and you can get back to doing the things you love. Whether it's running an 8K, playing a game of tag in the yard, or walking safely to your car, pain should not slow you down. With locations throughout eight states that offer complimentary injury screens, your choice to go with our team is the smart choice. Visit athletico.com to request your complimentary injury screening and start feeling better with us today. Athletico, better for everybody. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. Sports Medicine Weekly has been brought to you by Athletico Physical Therapy, by Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, by Karen Malkin Health Counseling, by Integrated Orthopedics, by Source, by Donjoy Orthopedics, by Midwest, and by ATI Physical Therapy. Many thanks to our producer and board operator, George Katsourilos. Our coordinating producer is Teresa Ann Seeger. We also want to thank David Cole for managing the website and our business operations, as well as Samantha Smith from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. For Dr. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel saying so long. Thanks for listening to Sports Medicine Weekly here on ESPN 1000. The preceding program was a paid advertisement. The views reflected are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000.